Arts and Entertainment Department at The Daily Californian. My name is Grace Orris, and I'm the arts editor at The Daily Cal. My name is Anaga Kumaragiri, and I'm the film beat reporter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're very excited. As of the day that we're recording this, it's Super Bowl Sunday, um, which we don't care about because all we care about this day is that the 2020 Academy Awards are officially a week away and the end of awards season is almost upon us. So the time is approaching for everyone to lock in their predictions for who is going to win at the Oscars this year so you can have the best ballot at your Oscar party. Uh, so with that in mind, today we're going to be discussing our predictions for some of the major categories, as well as our general thoughts on the year's nominees, which I think range from movies that we genuinely loved um, to some that, you know, are maybe typically poor choices by the Academy, at least in my opinion. <laughs> um, so that's what's on deck, but before we predict, um, it must be said that this, I think, was an amazing year for movies. Mm -hmm. At the very least, much better than last, last year. year. 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, I guess just in a brief comparison, I personally felt like even the movies that I really loved from, or were, you know, I was favoriting yeah. from last year, I, I thought I really wanted to win. I didn't love nearly as much... Um, as I loved the slate of movies from this year, um, as much as there's the occasional blemish in each slate, <laughs> not each and every slate, but in some of them, um, I think overall I actually love a lot of these movies and like I have revisited a lot, all of them, almost all of them since I first saw them and I will be revisiting them like in years to come because I think that they've kind of been like woven into our movie fabric that I guess last year, none of the films really ended up doing. So. I mean, last year was the dark ages. It like, was I a just, mess. I don't know how to explain it. I mean, it was a mess. The year before that, we had Call Me By Your Name and Get Out and Lady Bird and Dunkirk. And then the year before that was, besides La La Land and Moonlight, there were also, like, there was a great slate of movies. Arrival yeah. came out. I mean, 2018 was cursed. Yeah. <laughs> I, so bad. It's not even about the obviously a lot of the focus went on to Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody, but yes. even the rest of them, I think there's something yeah. to say about the films that we love this year are films that really stood out. So, yes. Yeah. And so all of that being said, before we predict, were there any movies from this year that you would have liked to see get more love from the nominations that didn't? Kind of like in the, you know, an honorable mentions <laughs> moment yes. before we predict what actually got nominated. Was there anything that you thought got overlooked? Yes. So hear me out. When I first saw Rocketman, um, the reason I was so drawn to it was because Dexter Fletcher, who directed the film, was the one who was responsible for finishing up Bohemian Rhapsody after Brian Singer was unofficially fired <laughs> and um I was really I was really enthralled by it I thought it was really effective like this is a biopic that um was well acted the music was incorporated in a, a musical fashion it was incorporated into the structure and the narrative and it was just a really fun film I'm not saying it should have been nominated for best picture <laughs> I don't think it should have been nominated for best actor um but I do think that it deserved a lot of the quote-unquote, I don't mean to see below-the-line nominations, but some of the ones that we won't be talking about today, a lot of the craft nominations, I think, were completely overlooked. Um, specifically in costuming, they have a whole montage at the end of the film before credits where they do comparisons of the film and the real-life 
wardrobe that it was inspired by, and um, makeup and hairstyling. I think the Academy has really gravitated towards makeup and prosthetics as the thing to award in that category in recent years. Um, but I think that hair, which is a big part of that movie, was just completely overlooked. Um, and so that would be my pick, and as we'll talk about later, I think the key thing about snubs, whenever people say snubs, just a precursor to the rest of our conversation, <laughs> um, I think whenever you say something is snubbed in a category, you have to be able to justify it as there's something that took its place. Yeah. Right? I think, like, it's unfair to say, for example, in the Best Actor lineup, like, oh, Adam Sandler was snubbed for Uncut Gems. Yeah. Great then who do you take who out? You take the conversation out? is always who right. you take out. And yeah. I think that there's one key film that took up a lot, a lot of, of these crafts. A lot of nominations, especially um, that a lot of other films, smaller films that I think could have been recognized in these areas, just didn't get. I agree. I mean, I think that the nature of the Oscars is, I mean, you know, the Academy members, they, you know, they make short lists of what, you know, to consider and they send out screeners, like, I would say like a pretty, a finite number of screeners because, you know, they have to filter it down because you're not going to watch everything. But even within like the screeners that I think Academy members get sent, you still can't watch everything. So I think that sometimes movies end up just kind of like having this consistent presence across the whole slate. And then, like you said, like smaller craft nominations, um, get overlooked. I mean, right. you know, the the things that I'm going to mention for snubs, I think have been mentioned a lot, but I think to see the farewell not even be mm-hmm. on here um, is, is disheartening because um, I thought that was a wonderfully made film. Um, and we can talk about acting when yeah, we get to acting as well. When we well, get to right? acting, I think that it should have showed up. I think that it ha- it should have showed up there and in screenplay. Absolutely. If I'm if I'm realistically picking right. where I think it got snubbed, I think that it should have showed up in both of those places. So I'm a, you know And best picture if we were to take out and best picture films. and best director if we were to take Absolutely. out I mean so I think but I think you know so to see not that on the board to see that not get on the board I I didn't enjoy that. Um and then a couple things that I didn't expect to make the cut because it's the Oscars but a couple um, genre films I really like this year were obviously Jordan Peele's Us. I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of resent because I feel like the attitude is like well he had Get Out and that was his victory lap and right. so like we're done and I think that Us could have gotten, I don't think Us should have gotten nominated across the board. I don't think it was as good as Get Out right. but I do think it you know should have gotten right. a little love and then Michael I... Michael Abel's scores. Michael Abel's score and Lapita I think right. for me. But right. um and then my other one was Doctor Sleep, which I think everyone slept on. <laughs> um, but I thought that was a really excellently made movie as well. And in an alternate universe, I think Mike Flanagan gets a directing nomination for it. And Rebecca mm-hmm. Ferguson gets a supporting actress. But we don't live in that alternate universe. I just wanted to shout out that movie. I thought it was excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Last craft shout out also... Um... Knives Out won the Contemporary Costume Guild Award, um, while Jojo Rabbit won the Period Film Award. And I think that um, Knives Out is not nominated in the costuming category, which, if you look at it, I think the Academy really goes for the period films and like. But those sweaters were so good. (laughs) The sweater is so good. Let's have a moment of silence for the sweaters of Knives Out getting snubbed. The sweaters, the pantsuits, like. Everything. (laughs) Jamie Lee's pink pantsuit. You're not going to nominate that for costumes. You're not going to nominate little women for hair. Look at Saoirse Ronan's hair, that whole. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> those were the, that's just some things. stuff that we thought should have gotten right. a little bit more love. But we can go into the predictions now. So the first category we're going to talk about is score, original score. Yes. 
Um, so the nominees for this category are Hilder Gunadotir for Joker, mm-hmm. um, Alexandra Desplat for Little Women, Randy Newman for Marriage Story, Thomas Newman, his cousin, for 1917, and John Williams for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. So I think this one is reasonably locked at this mm-hmm. point. I think Joker is locked to win. I think it won at the Golden Globes mm-hmm. and at Critics' Choice. Yes. Um, so it seems like it's going, you know, there's no reason why it wouldn't win again at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, that is my winner pick, and I'm locked that that's it's going to win. win. Yes. Um, I am very, I don't think it should win. I'm very adamant that it shouldn't win. I mean, I hate to be rooting against the only woman in this category, Same. but I, I, I think the score for Joker is terrible. I mean, I would, I would describe it as like droning like I think it's very one note I think it it's you know loud there's violins at some points it just seems very like not subtle very loud very heavy-handed and I just think clumsy even at points clumsy and I think that's another thing that goes slightly into the I think that this is my pick for what will win and Mm -hmm. I think it's a lock as well but I think a lot of the clumsiness has to do with like the sound editing and mixing aspects of it there's that key stair scene the famous stair scene where it shifts from (laughs) a song um that I think should not have been in the movie in the first place yeah let's not give them any more money um but it, it just abruptly switches from the song to a blaring score midway through the scene I mean, literally. with no context. And it's sort of to remind you that this is what the film is about. It's about darkness. Seriously. It's about like, and it just felt, it felt very heavy handed. I'm not a fan. I'm rooting for her. She didn't get any love for her score for Chernobyl, for example, this year, which, which was good. And I it mean, like made yeah. more sense. And I just <laughs> think Joker, like, I mean, it's like you said, it's almost funny to me. It was funny as I was watching mm-hmm. it, how it would just be so obviously like transition into a scene that we're meant to be like, this is a scene with a capital S, like, you know, the bathroom dance that Joaquin Phoenix famously, I suppose, improvised. Um, literally that scene happens and, um, you know, the music immediately like just ratches up in volume because they're like, oh, like here is a moment, loud violins. You're like, wow, thank you for signifying that to me. Thank you so much. Like I wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. I really don't like this score. I think it's just like so like poorly done. I think it's like, I don't like the music itself. And I think that it's poorly, like you said, integrated into the movie and into Mm -hmm. the scenes where like it's like heavily featured. So it's going to win. I don't want it to win. Um, what I would like to see win is 1917. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, okay, the, the part of the score that plays during, I guess, spoilers, but whatever. The climactic. That, that climactic, like, the main character's kind of climactic run, like, to Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, right. literally a long, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that climactic Cumberbatch sprint. <laughs> um, like, along the, the battle. Right. And everything's blowing up behind them, and it's, right. you know, big and stunning and whatever. I mean, that's, that track is incredible it's right. an, like I it's insane I was listening to it in the theater and I was like holy like, it's right. so good so I would like to see that win I also wouldn't hate seeing John like it won't happen mm-hmm. but I wouldn't hate seeing John Williams win for like his Star Wars victory lap you know mm-hmm. like I'd be fine with that you know I liked that part in the Rise of Skywalker score where you know this is spoilers 
where, you know, Kylo goes to save Rey and they play his theme, but it's like a happier version of his theme because I'm like, now I know Motifs. he's good <laughs> we now. We love to see it. And now I know that. <laughs> and he's wearing a Henley, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so, God, that was great. <laughs> wardrobe. Yeah, um, where is the costume <laughs> nomination for Kylo Ren's Henley with a hole in it? <laughs> Anyone? Nobody's talking about it and we should talk about it. Um, <laughs> I am going to second your choice for 1917, I think that it really does fit so well with the narrative and it's so effective and genuinely moving and creative. The gentle drum beats at like the beginning of the, the movie that just sort of sets everything up, I think it's is so good. It's really well incorporated and obviously with all the other technical aspects of that film, I think the score just elevates it. Um, I love almost, I love all the other scores yeah. in this category. Um, I will agree with your note. Grace has a note here about the marriage story. <laughs> the marriage story uh, score, which while I do think is um, sometimes inappropriately charming and lighthearted. I don't think it really I, jives totally with the movie at every point. I agree. But I kind of think that's like an intentional... It's sort of... It Maybe. keeps everything light. Maybe. And, yeah. Yeah. But love all of the other I want 1917 to win. I do too. Here, I want it to win. It's going to win many other places that yes. I maybe prefer it wouldn't, but I would like yes. to see it win here. It yes. won't. Joker will win, and I'm annoyed. Anyway. <laughs> um, adapted screenplay. <laughs> adapted screenplay. Um, the nominees for adapted screenplay are Stephen Zalian for The Irishman, Taika Waititi for Jojo Rabbit. Oh my god, for Jojo Rabbit. Um, Todd Phillips and Scott Silver for Joker. Greta Gerwig for Little Women, and Anthony McCartan for The Two Popes. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I do think that this race is kind of at this point between two people. I think it's between JoJo and Little Women right now. Um, I think JoJo will win. Um, The reason I think that is because it just won in this category at the Writers Guild Awards. And... Not only that, I think that based on Taika's nomination at the DGAs, Todd, you know, Todd Phillips didn't get nominated at the DGAs, which was a big deal. Taika, like, took his spot. Mm-hmm. So I think we can take, you know, with the w- WGA win for this category, plus Taika's nomination there, plus the fact that JoJo is nominated, I think, in a pretty, I mean, a reasonably, a like, sizable amount right. of categories, I... I see the industry responding to this movie in a way that I really don't think general audiences mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And I think that they might award it here. I feel like... I think it's between him and Greta. I agree. But and you know, but the only really precursor awards that Greta has won for this was she won at the Critics' Choice. Right. And I don't think Critics... I mean, Critics' Choice is not very predictive. I mean, last right. year they had Lady Gaga and Glenn Close tie for lead actress, actress yeah. and then Olivia Coleman won. So I, I don't, really don't think Critics' Choice is predictive, right. and that's the only bellwether so far that has people predicting Greta will win here. Right. And I think WGA is a stronger indicator, so I think JoJo will win. I don't want it to win. Right. I think it will. Um, I was really caught off guard by the WJ, WGA wins in both categories, and we'll talk about original soon. But um, my money is still on Greta. I do... I... A lot of times before the nominations come out or before the awards, I like to give the Academy, this is not a good thing, a lot of times <laughs> I think that they are trying to course correct a lot of the representational issues that they've, um, a lot of the, the 
the mistakes that they've made in terms of their nomination, their nominations, their, you know, just it, who they're recognizing. And I think, I think the Academy really loves Greta Gerwig. I think to be fair, even going into the nominations, we didn't think Little Women was going to have as strong a showing as it did. Mm-hmm. And I think, for example, I think the fact that they did recognize both Saoirse Ronan and Florence Pugh for acting, the fact that um, it did still get a Best Picture nomination, and I think it was sort of, I don't think it was a lock by any means going into the nomination. It wasn't like the bottom half in right. terms of like, if they stretch it to eight, it might get in, but it exactly. wasn't seen as being in the top uh, five. Right, exactly. And I think, um, you know, she did, she has previously gotten a Best Director nomination here. I think it's very possible that they give this award to her. She did not win any screenplay awards, obviously did not win director or picture for Lady Bird. And um, I think that it's still possible that they course correct and give her the award here definitely I mean I I, again I see it as a two-way race at this mm -hmm. point I think I've just you know Bohemian Rhapsody has four Oscars so Mm. I think when in doubt I'm like when in doubt don't give them the benefit exactly so (laughs) yeah I mean personally I I'm like very very on the boat in like in the camp of, of little women should win I think it's you know the structure of that screenplay is not only impeccably thought out, I think it improves upon the original I novel. agree. I and I don't agree. say that lightly. I literally think it elevates the original source material. And I think its treatment of both Joe and Amy's arcs is the best approach that I've ever seen to those characters mm-hmm. in any adaptation of this I novel. Agree. But it's faithful nonetheless. But it's faithful nonetheless. And so, I mean, not only that, I just think it's it's written with such warmth. I mean, I read the last page of the Little Women screenplay yesterday, mm-hmm. and it ends, like, I think the ending moments of Little Women are probably my favorite part of the whole I movie. Agree. And, I mean, the last line of the screenplay is, like, Joe looks up and sees the future. And I just, like, read that, and I, like, teared mm-hmm. up. Like, it's, it's such a beautiful... Right like carefully written screenplay it deserves to win and so I can see it winning because it deserves to win I can also see it winning a little bit because sometimes the trend with screenplay tends to be like you're not going to get best picture and you're not going to get best director but like here's screenplay and so I can see that attitude kind of coalescing for Greta a bit Mm -hmm. here Mm -hmm. I I mean Jojo's one of the WGAs I think Jojo's gonna win and I'm I I do think it's gonna win and I really, I just Which, don't understand it. What, like, a recent surge for this movie I in this know. category, right? Because I thought it was a two-way tie between Little Women and another film, which Irishman. was The Irishman. Mm-hmm. And I'm slowly settling into the idea that there is a very, very strong possibility and likelihood that The Irishman goes home completely empty-handed. Yeah. Um, including in the craft categories, which is sad. Um... And, and a part of me is also like, I don't know if it deserves those craft awards either, but um, I I loved The Irishman. I think it was, obviously, I mean, I, I don't have anything bad to say about the screenplay by any means besides the fact that the movie itself was lengthy. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, it sort of incorporates the best of like what Scorsese has done in, this is a Steven Zalian adaptation, of course, but... Um, the best of what Scorsese has done in his style of filmmaking, which is like incorporating in his major films, um, incorporating like um, a narrator sort of voicing cheekily the, you know, the transitions between scene to scene. And I think like all of that is done really effectively. I love that. I also think that she should win this award. I'll be very happy if she does. I really don't think Jojo Rabbit should. I mean, I think Jojo... 
again, I, there's a lot of industry love for this movie that I just don't see translated anywhere else. It's one of those movies that I think really has this kind of insular appeal. I mean, having seen it, I just think it, like, it doesn't really thread the needle between... I think there's a strong audience favorability for it as well. Maybe. I just don't... I mean, obviously, its subject matter is, you know, yeah. <laughs> World War Two. It's and, divisive. You know, and I just personally, I just don't think that its screenplay really threads the mm-hmm. needle between its tone and its subject matter at all. And again, I think it's... I would use the word clumsy to describe some moments in this film that I just think are really poorly handled and they're poorly handled because the writing I mean I think Thor Ragnarok was a tighter written screenplay than than this screenplay Um, so I'd love to see Little Women win I'm giving the edge to Taika though in this category as you know with recent events in mind I loved Jojo Rabbit I'm one of the few like (laughs) yeah I love Jojo Rabbit um don't think it should win here no original screenplay um okay here we go uh Ryan Johnson for Knives Out Noah Baumbach for Marriage Story, Sam Mendes and Christy Wilson Cairns, Cairns? Cairns? Uh, for 1917, <laughs> uh, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon-ho and Han Jin-won for Parasite. So, I'm still sticking with the conventional favorite in this category. Mm-hmm. I believe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is winning. It was not eligible at the WGAs because Tarantino was not a member of the guild, so I don't think that that is necessarily as indicative. Mm-hmm. Parasite won this category at the WGAs. Right. But I still think, you know, Quentin is the front runner here. And I don't see the Academy giving the win to something in a foreign language. I just, unfortunately, yeah. do not. So I think Once Upon a Time is going to win. I'm very happy with that. I really love Once Upon I a Time. It. I adore that movie. I rewatched it with like every member of my family now. My whole family loves it. I love it. I like it more every time I watch it. Um, so I'm happy with that winning. Um, this is my favorite category of the ceremony, I think. I think that this is the strongest lineup of, of films. I mean, I really liked at least you know every film in this category. If I was gonna take something out, I would maybe say 1917, just because. I mean, of course you can you know script isn't all that dialogue, but there is like no dialogue in the right. second half. So I think that had the farewell slid in here, it would be like a perfect category right. for me. But right. it's pretty much perfect now. Um, but yeah, Once Upon a Time, in my opinion, is is the lock for the win. Yeah. And it's a, it's a deserving winner. Like, it's not... Yeah. You can't really go wrong with, again, m- most of the films in this category. Um, I wish with all of my heart that Marriage Story was the front runner here because um, I, I do... I want Baumbach to be, like, recognized for something yeah. um, that he did for this film. And as much as I hate the dreaded line that everyone else hates during the fight scene... Um, you know the one. You shouldn't be... You shouldn't be upset that I, I fucked, fucked her. You, you should be upset that I had a laugh with her. Um, it's absolutely disgusting. But <laughs> besides that, I think that this film is... I think it's a perfect movie. And it's I just, so good. And I... <laughs> I mean, I think we hate it for a reason. <laughs> just, just so... Yeah. It's so... 
I no. have no words. It's interesting because this category, like I said before, like screenplay is often kind of, I mean, it's still an Oscar, so I don't want to say consolation prize, but you know, like in relative mm-hmm. terms, consolation prize for, you know, filmmakers who don't win Best Picture or Best Director, but their film was still great. Like, you know, Spike Lee got screenplay last we year. We were thrilled when Jordan Peele won this award. Jordan we were Peele thrilled when Spike Lee won this exact, award. Like, exactly. And like, the, you know, I often say that like the weirder stuff kind right. of gets, or not weirder, but like stuff that they're like not ready to give Best Picture or whatever Absolutely. gets punted to screenplay. And I feel feel like here like now that Quentin's chances of winning best picture I would say have significantly diminished that kind of he's gonna get consolation it. prize is gonna be like oh Quentin like you're not getting best picture again like here's screenplay and I think that if Quentin was more of a front runner for best picture the kind of like well we loved your movie but it's not gonna get best picture that narrative would kind of belong to marriage story right so I, would, I mean a hypothetical scenario where like Greta and Noah win both screenplay awards. Think of the photos. Think of the photos we would get. But my should win pick is Knives Out. I I can't even... I was so excited to see Knives Out get on the board here. Um, I was really pushing for it to get at least the screenplay nom because, I mean, it's a murder mystery. It's a writer-y kind of genre kind of movie. And I, if it was going to get on the board anywhere, I did want it to be here. I think it's just such a perfectly written movie. And again, it's a movie that is original and that really, really connected with audience and was audiences and was so effortlessly fun and perfectly structured. And I think that often it gets overlooked how hard it is to write a movie like that that's original and that still is good enough to motivate through essentially solely word of mouth to motivate people to come see it for it to have like the massive box office success that it had. I love, love, love Knives Out. This is my personal, like, favorite movie of the year. The one that I just had the most fun watching and that I have the most love for. I'm obsessed with murder mysteries, so it's a movie essentially made specifically for me to like it. And I did. I loved it. So, in my dream world, I would give Knives Out this award. I know it's just lucky to be in this category. It's its only nomination, so I know it's not winning. But that is my... That's what, you know, if I was voting... Uh, I would vote for this. But I, I, I think Once Upon a Time has this locked. Right. Um, I will second that. Yeah. Also just wanted to, I love the line, um, I read a tweet about the art, like a, a tweet about I the article. I read a tweet about a New York article. About <laughs> right. It. People, the that movie is so... <laughs> it's so funny. Funny. The Donut Hole monologue. Loved it. You're not going to give an Oscar to that <laughs> so Donut Hole funny. monologue. Disgusting. So funny. Um... Make it make sense. <laughs> You're not going to give an Oscar to, you shouldn't be upset that I thought that you should be upset that I had a laugh at there. Make it make sense. Um, no, once upon a time. Again, I'm happy with it winning. This is just my favorite category. Yeah. So, like, if any, essentially if anything but 1971, I would be like, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, okay, uh, but moving on to the supporting actress category. <laughs> uh, the nominees in this category are Kathy Bates for Richard Jewell. Laura Dern for Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh for Little Women, and Margot Robbie for Bombshell. A pretty, I would say, lock. Yeah. I mean, Laura Dern, it's her award to lose, and she won't. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I don't think she's lost at a single precursor right. ceremony. Like, right. she's winning. Even where you think she, she could have lost at the Globes. It's a very celebrity-focused award show, but... Looks like they were trying to be predictive this year. And, um, yeah, I think she's a lock. Um, I think we both agree 
that we would like to see Florence Pugh take this award? Yeah, I mean, I my should win pick of this lineup, which I will pause to say, I think this is a, a really weak, weak lineup. Mm-hmm. I think that both actress categories this year are just like unusually weak lineups but we can talk about that more when we get to lead actress i mean i think i mean obviously kathy bates being here you're just like what um she was a surprise um and florence Pugh was a surprise um she got nominated i think at the baftas but nowhere else so she was nowhere near a lock to get a nomination so i was very excited to see her get a nomination and she's my pick for who i would like to see win Mm -hmm. the most but i think laura has this on lock and i'm honestly I'm fine with that. I do think, I thought she was really good in Marriage Story, and this is another one of those awards where she kind of had two movies in the same year. She was a supporting actress in Little Women as well, where this award is for Marriage Story, but it's kind of an amalgamation of both and a celebration of the year she had. So I'm like, you know, Laura Dern, who doesn't love her? I'm okay with her winning. I think if we're going by, we're only considering the performance, um, based on this lineup, I would give it to Florence Pugh. Yeah, yeah, I would second that. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Laura Dern is, as much as I love her, I think that this win feels really underwhelming to me because, I mean, her performance was great, and I think she's representing a lot in that movie, but I also feel like it just doesn't stay with me like the lead performances do. Um, but I will say, I'm kind of glad that she's... I, I used to say, like, oh, she should have been here for Little Women, but I think I'm glad that she's here for Marriage Story instead of Little Women because I realized supporting actress has really become a mom category. Yeah. <laughs> like, for the last however many years, I mean, the last two years, I know um, actresses who are playing significant motherly roles, mm-hmm. maternal roles, have yeah. won. And I think, okay, this is something completely different and something nuanced. Um the thing that upsets me about the acting categories, we'll get into it again later, but I think this slate is weak because they're not nominating, they're not nominating the right people. It's not that this was a weak year for female performances. Absolutely. Far Um, from the opposite. Yeah. And I think I'm upset because I think supporting actor and actor, I think it got mostly right. And what's upsetting is that you're recognizing like these amazing performances there and completely missing out on, like, incredible female performances. I agree. And, yeah. I mean, it must be said, I think J-Lo's absence here is, is obvious. Terrible. And glaring. And they and went out of their way. I mean, Kathy Bates, I mean, yeah, they went out of their way. I mean, nobody on earth would claim that, like, Kathy Bates was the top vote-getter of these five. Like, she clearly, I think, based on who got nominated at all the other ceremonies, like, slid in in fifth place... Because, again, I think that Academy members got a finite amount of screeners, and I think they chose to write off Hustlers, and they didn't watch it, and so J-Lo didn't get nominated, which I think is a shame. I do think she deserves to be here. And I think in another year, and in, you know, perhaps with a more progressive or a more open-minded voting body, she would win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see her not be here is, I think, the most egregious snub because it was she was expected to get in so her not getting in just felt very kind of out of left field and and had laura dern not been here she would have been the front runner going into the ceremony i mean going into the globes it was like her and laura dern were seen as like i really thought j-lo was gonna take it exclusively because of what the globes have been but 
Yeah, that's no. that's it. <laughs> I mean, again, it's just one of those things like, did we need to nominate Scarlett Johansson right. twice just to keep J-Lo out of this category? Mm. It's just one of those things where it feels so myopic and I don't right. understand it. Um, right. But yeah, we think Laura's going to win and we both think Florence Pugh should, should win. So we're yeah. in agreement on this category. Um, supporting actor. Debatably my favorite lineup in this entire interesting besides the original screenplay. Yeah, screenplay category. is my gets the Grace's um, favorite lineup award. <laughs> yeah, I think like I think this is easily the runner up in that in that area. Um supporting actor Tom Hanks for a beautiful day in the neighborhood, mm. Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, which I saw and liked. Al Pacino, oh, wow. the Irishman. <laughs> uh, hot take. Uh, I saw the two films. Hot take. I saw that movie. <laughs> um, the Irishman. Oh, Al Pacino for The Irishman and Joe Pesci for The Irishman. Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we're across the board on this. Let's say who's going to win on the count of three. One, two, three. Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. <laughs> He's <It's>, winning. <laughs> if, if he doesn't win, I think... The oh white would I'm be taking... like the most astronomical surprise if he lost. The thing is, like these all all the acting categories feel like career prizes to me. They are. Um, yeah, they are. They literally all are this year, except for actress, which kind of feels like we don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> and and um, this is the only one that I'm genuinely okay with Same. because oh my god, give this man his Oscar. No. <laughs> One category, because we have an outline of like what we're going to talk about, and we listed out our winner picks and our should win picks for each category, mm-hmm. and this is the one category where both of our winner picks and both of our should win picks are all the same. Like, right. Brad is winning, and he is winning because for once, they're getting it right. Like, he should There's win. a little bit of category fraud with this, as they typically do. I oh, mean, of this course. is kind of what happened with... Viola like, Davis. Right, and this is kind Alicia of what happened Bikander. with... This is what happened with, um, like, Mortensen and Ali last year for yes, Green Book. And, yes. like, Ali won. Like, he was obviously a co-lead, co-lead. in that Brad film. Brad Pitt is a co-lead. He's a co-lead. Film. He's, like, Cliff Booth is what I, was, I take I mean, away from he it. he carries... And, a third of the film. I mean, the he mid- carries an entire thread. You know, no, the Manson storyline yes. is him. Well, because the middle act of the film is it's like you know, it's intercut between Leo's day on set and Brad's day waiting for him. Ranch. Yeah, on yeah. The, at Spawn Ranch right. and his whole adventure. Right. And then with like brief moments of Sharon Tate, but essentially, I mean, Brad is is a co lead. Right. Um, but they do this every year. I mean, they have co leads and they just kind of are like, well, we'll put him in lead and we'll put him in supporting because you have to. If this takes to get him the no, Oscar, I'm good with him winning. He was. Uh, he he was should great. win for this movie. Yeah. yeah, he's. I mean, he's like. His acting out <laughs> being on an acid trip. I mean, incredible. Qu- yeah, Quentin doesn't have to put any weird music or <laughs> any you know visual effects to signify um, that Cliff is having an acid trip. Right. It's just Brad's performance, and you're like, this is hilarious and it's believable. Which I would compare to another film this year that got eleven nominations mm-hmm. and another performance this year that has been uni- almost universally lauded. You know. A lot of it rests on very heavy-handed and very clumsy, like, kind of, like, hitting the audience over the head with feel this emotion, feel this emotion, feel this emotion, this is serious, this is serious, and you can tell because of the music, and you can tell because of this very on-the-nose, a lot of dialogue. Um, you know, all you need to know that Cliff's having an acid trip is Quentin's direction and Brad's performance. I don't, you Whoa. don't need to tell me how to feel. We didn't <laughs> he... talk about this. We didn't talk about this with screenplay, but I'm going to go back. 
I will just say it. Joker is, I think, one mm-hmm. of, if not the, worst written movies of the year. Absolutely. Every line in Joker is the least subtle thing on the planet. It outright tells the audience how to feel. I mean, people don't talk like this. Arthur just states how he's feeling and like these you never big cared about me. cliche understand. maxims. I mean, literally, there is a scene where he goes up to a sign that says, don't forget to smile, and he crosses out forget to. So it says, don't smile. So you, as the audience, know he's sad. I mean, it's literally like a 17-year-old wrote it. I'm serious. I watched that movie and there are parts that felt laughable to me because they were trying so hard to like build these serious emotional moments on the most cliche ham-fisted dialogue that I've ever heard in my life. I mean, the Zazie Beetz character, why is she there? The big revelation with her means nothing. It's another one of those moments that's like, feel emotion, it was all fake. And you're like, okay, okay. like, why does that matter? Like, every scene in this movie, I'm like, why does this matter? It's yeah. just like a collection of moments that the director feels is really serious, but has no narrative cohesion and builds to nothing. Mm-hmm. This, I'm getting on my soapbox. I hate Joker. I despise this we'll nominated it. so much. It's the worst written movie of the year. <laughs> we'll send talk me about more it. send me more hate mail about it because <laughs> it sucks, okay? Have you gotten uh, hate mail? Yes. Oh <laughs> send me more Make a email. collage, Grace, yeah. and put it please, in the office. Please send me emails about how good you think Joker is because I will make a beautiful scrapbook out of them. Um, it's yes. so bad. Um, I can't believe I didn't talk about that for screenplay. But anyway, yeah. yes. Supporting oh, actor. Gorgeous. Brad Pitt is winning, and he, he should, should win. He should win. Yeah, he should win. Okay. Love Brad Pitt. Ready for a speech. Yes. Um, lead actress. This category. Lead actress um, wins Grace's award for worst lineup. Worst lineup. <laughs> for absolute worst lineup. Um, okay. Cynthia Erivo for Harriet. Scarlett Johansson for Marriage Story. Saoirse Ronan for Little Women, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just talk about, I think this is the weakest lineup of, of the Recent ceremony. memory. Uh, in recent memory. I mean, usually the lead actor lineup is relatively weak and the lead actress category is It was is last stacked. year, for example. It was last year and I think the year before as right. well. And, um, oh, maybe not the year before. But anyway, um, usually it's the other way around and I think it was very heavily like lead actresses Who just... Who won two years ago? I literally... Gary Oldman. <laughs> and Frances McDormand. And Frances That's McDormand. a pretty good lineup. Okay. For actress. For actress. Anyway. Yeah. And actor, actually. And actor. Yeah. And actor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We, well, actually, when we get to best actor, yeah. I, I have thoughts on the yeah. best actor category historically as well but anyway usually the best actress category is i mean reasonably stacked Strong. and i think this year it's just like i don't know what i mean like oh, it must not even like there aren't good performances here there no, are but... i think that the absences that i feel the most keenly are aquafina mm-hmm. and lapita nyango i Absolutely. mean and it's not crazy to think that they could have gotten in there because lapita's i mean Lapita was in the conversation because she... got she, a SAG nomination. She got a SAG nomination and she won a lot of critics, critics awards. Ex- so exactly. she was very much in the conversation. I mean, Universal was was heavily kind of mm-hmm. running FYC stuff. She was the Daily Kels pick for, for Best her. Actress of the Year. We picked her for Best Actress of the Year. <laughs> and as we all know, our taste is... It's perfect. Is perfect. It's the only one. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so I think she should have been here. I mean, Aquafina won Golden the Golden Globe. Globe. It's right. So it's kind of just like the fact that they're not in here feels very random. And again, I do think that it, it was disheartening 
the way that it so quickly became, you know, talking about these nominations, it was like, well, the four, you know, white women here are locks, and then there's one spot left. For women of color. And Absolutely. all of the women of color have to compete are going to fight for that spot. Like, that yeah. was what the conversation became so quickly. And I just really, I don't understand how Charlize Theron became a lock. I don't, I mean, her performance is very, you know, she's wearing Megyn Kelly prosthetics. Right. I don't understand how she so easily became a lock. I mean, Renee Zellweger feels... I mean, Renee Zellweger, we haven't even said it, but, like, she's definitely winning. She's, she's won winning. everything else. I mean, she's winning. I don't understand how she's winning. I don't understand I, why she's a luck. I don't I understand like, why she's here. I like Renee Zellweger. I think there's a bit of nostalgia for, you know, you know, her, her career in old Hollywood. There's undoubtedly nostalgia for, for Judy Garland. But what I don't like about not the optics, but the sort of narrative that they've built around that performance is, you know, let's celebrate this Hollywood icon. I don't think we like, need Ju- that anymore. Judy Garland's just, not winning. Yeah. She's like, not going to care. <laughs> Freddie, <laughs> Freddie Mercury was not supposed to win last year, and he did. They it's, rewarded Freddie Mercury. Mm-hmm. They want to reward Judy Garland. There's something about not favoring original characters. It's insane to and, me because I think it's, I mean, uh, look, I'm not reducing Renee Zellweger's performance to this. I will reduce, reduce Rami Malek's performance to this. I, I think it's harder to imbue an original character with, like, believable life than to do an SNL impression. Right. I mean, I really do. I mean, people act like it's harder to be a real thing because people expect you to be like that real person, but I don't. Three of the actresses in this category are playing playing characters um, that are real people, that were real people. They're biopics of of sort. Um, I mean, I don't think Cynthia Erivo should be here. I don't think so I would take out... I mean, I don't think Cynthia Erivo, Charlize Theron, or Renee Zellweger would be here. Should be here, yeah. I don't think In an ideal world. I'm fine with Saoirse and Scarlett being here. Same, same. And Um, so that's why they're also our should wins. Yeah, I think that, I mean... Renee's winning. She's on everything else, so that is my winner pick. I think she's locked. My pick for who should win is... I'm torn between Saoirse and Scarlett. I'd probably give Saoirse the edge, I think, just because I think Little Women is... She's a true lead in Little Women, and I believe that she carries the film in many ways. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, obviously, screen time, but I think that she's the emotional center of the film and that she accomplishes that very well. There's something... I think Scarlett's character sort of fades into a supporting role in the latter half of the film. No, she does. I mean, looking at Scarlett's character, a lot of the press around Marriage Story, and it's interesting to me, um, is kind of, well, we wanted you to switch allegiances. Noah Baumack has said that in a million press interviews. Like, we wanted it to be a story where you swapped allegiances constantly throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. And I find that interesting because I would say... I mean, maybe the first third of the movie sticks with Scarlett. I, what sticks out in terms of her character for me is she has that scene in Laura Dern's office where she gives her monologue, and then she has the big fight scene halfway through with Adam Driver. But, I mean, really, I think it's Charlie's movie to me. Um, and so that's why if I... I would pick Saoirse to win over Scarlett because I think Scarlett's good, but I don't really think it's her movie, and I right. think Little Women is Joe's movie. Right. That's completely fair. Yeah. Um... Should we do lead actor? Yes. Shall we? I think we have a lot to say here. So, um, (laughs) Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Adam Driver for Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix for Joker, and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. I'm not laughing at Jonathan Price. I think he's fine. He should be here. Um, (laughs) (sighs) So... 
So, Joaquin Phoenix is winning. It's a, The acting categories are so locked up that it would be truly insane if anyone else won at this point. Joaquin Phoenix has won everything. He is winning this. Um, and I hate it. Yeah. I, you know, I talked about Joker, but I'll talk about Joaquin's performance specifically. This feels to me like a career Oscar. It does. Because, you know, Joaquin didn't win for her. He didn't even get recognized at all. Her. Yeah. He wasn't even nominated for her. He, he didn't win for... Just wanted to touch on Joaquin Phoenix really quickly before... Yes. I think that the same thing that is happening to Adam Driver here is something that has happened to Joaquin time and time again. Yes. So, for example, I, I watched... I rewatched um Walk the Line and The Master over break, which I think are two... Look, I love Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's a great actor. And I think Um, he could have won for either of those. He's had a storied career. Ironically, when, for example, when he was nominated for The Master, which a lot of people considered his the performance of his career, like his best performance, one of the greatest films to come out in the 2010s, he lost to much respect, I love him also, to Daniel Day-Lewis in Lincoln, which is a much more... Academy role. Academy role. Real it's, person. It's a performance. It's, it's the actor's performance. And I think, again, the same thing that happened to him then is something that's happening here. To which Adam is Driver. You're kind of giving the showier performance, the obvious okay. performance, there, the award. There are a lot of things I hate about this, so I'm just going to get on my soapbox for a hot minute. But I truly think that, like, Joaquin is winning this for an amalgamation of factors that, and I think all these factors are kind of like, usually what we talk about is like the worst things about the Oscars. Like the reason Joaquin's winning this is like, first, it's a career Oscar because like you said, he's been nominated twice, both for excellent performances. He didn't win. Jeez, he's been nominated a lot. And he hasn't won. And even things he wasn't nominated for, like her or You Were Never Really Here last year, um, were really excellent performances. He's, you know, one of his generation's best actors. And nobody's Mm -hmm. arguing that. I'm not arguing that. Um, He's one of the best. Um, And so the fact that he's winning for this, I think, is just, like, a cruel joke, honestly. Because I don't think this is... I mean, you know, Joaquin is Joaquin, so he's not going to give an objectively terrible performance, but I don't think this performance is objectively good. Honestly, I don't think it's good. Um, I think the best you can say is he's trying his best, um, but I don't think it's good. Again, I think any genuine thing that he's trying to do is drowned out by the score and the shitty dialogue. Sorry, bleep me. And the shitty dialogue um, or whatever, and the obsessive amount of, like, imagery and whatever that he tries i mean i i I don't think that his performance elevates that as as much and i think that it's it's a performance that's about constantly reminding the audience that he is performing right it's very much like a really staged like creepy laugh or again like stuff like crossing things out on the sign and you know constant like the bathroom dance it's a performance that's about Physical. I'm performing, I'm performing, I'm performing. And I think that Adam Driver, in my opinion, is the best in this category. I think it gives the performance of his career in this movie. Adam Driver, it doesn't feel like he's performing. I hope he doesn't, because I hope he does great things going I forward. Know, I, I think the greatest <laughs> yeah. cor- performance of his career so, so far. far. But like in this character, my point is, I mean, watching his scenes, you feel like you're watching something you shouldn't be watching. You feel like you're watching like a very intimate piece of theater or real life at some points because you're not constantly reminded that he's performing because he's actually acting well and giving a good performance because it feels real. In an original role. Joaquin, I never once forgot that he was performing in this movie because again, this movie is so, so clumsily executed. And 
So I think he's winning a career Oscar for not the best performance of the year, which again, happened with Leonardo DiCaprio. And I'm like, look, I was happy Leo won, but I thought Michael Fassbender but had the best performance of that year. I and have he to got say, passed over. It happens my, every single year. My my thing with like that year, um, like Leo's year, or even last year, I think that the performances that won won in a relatively weak lineup. Like I know Michael Fassbender was fine, Matt Damon was fine. No, I think they I were think, all good, but I think the lineup was weak. I and I'm gonna disagree with you um in terms of the the twenty eighteen Oscars for the movies that came out in twenty seventeen. So if you think about that I think lineup, that was great. I think it was a when, great lineup. When, but like I would but, say, the trend with best actors, like Gary Oldman won that year. Right. Think about that. Gary Oldman won that year against Timothy Chalamet and Daniel Kaluuya. It's and like, it's Daniel like, Day Lewis. And Daniel Day Lewis. And Denzel Washington. That's what, what I'm a saying. Amazing. That's lineup. what that I'm was saying. Great. Yeah, and so it's just kind of like I think continue like the best actor category is like cursed. It's like Rami Malek, Gary Oldman, now Joaquin Phoenix for this Casey movie. Affleck, Casey Affleck. It's just like. It's constantly insane to me, and I feel like every year, like we look back on the winner, and you're and we're like, how did this other performance not win? And I think Joaquin Phoenix is winning a career Oscar, and I hate the concept of career Oscars, but again, it happens in Best Actor, I think, almost every year. Right. And I hate that he's winning for a part that again is a really showy performance, and the narrative around it, honestly, is I think is so stupid, and it works on the Academy every time, which is he lost all this weight, and he went method, and he was an asshole on set, and it was such a strenuous thing for him to give this performance. And I just, I hate that narrative because I don't think it makes the performance better. I think it makes a really dramatic thing to talk about in interviews, but I don't think it made the performance better. I'm like, a career actor, like, goes to work and acts, and that's what Adam Driver did, and it's the best performance in this lineup. I mean, I would put Leo at second best. I, I wouldn't I, even nominate Joaquin for this my, year. I think that <laughs> I think that like the unfortunate thing is like Antonio Banderas has quickly been looked over. He yeah. won Best Actor at Cannes, um, and I think like that's you know there's something to be said about that. This is his first nomination, and I think like it's unfortunate that like for actors like Antonio Banderas who've been acting for years and years, um, great performances throughout. This is his first nomination, and we're like that's the career recognition, whereas like we're giving. This to Joker. I also <laughs> want to say, I also want to say, I also love Leo, Antonio, and Adam Driver, undoubtedly. But I also want to say that I think the performance, the Arthur Fleck performance itself is one of the worst takes I've seen on the character. I the agree. Charm, the charm, <laughs> I think, inherently, I, I mean, charm. There's absolutely no charm and, the and fact charisma that it just feels like, I mean, even the visual look that they chose for the character, it feels like a watered-down imitation of Heath Ledger's performance. But it does. A completely different take on the character. But a different You're take on the, the character. Spirit of like... And I mean, I've said this before, but like, you know, Heath Ledger's Joker works a lot, again, because like, he's written well. Right. He's written as the perfect foil to Nolan's Batman. And his narrative function is very carefully considered. And the way that he challenges Batman's philosophy is what a perfect antagonist is supposed to do. And that's why he that's why Heath won supporting actor, is because it's a perfectly written supporting role, and Heath obviously did a perfect job within it, which is why I'm like, I don't need this Joker to win an Oscar too, because it's it, it wants to be that. This but movie wants not. to be a Scorsese right. movie. It's none of those things. It's it's the most like I think like it, I think it's a childish depiction of mental illness. I think it is like like literally the the way that like this film 
like treats and depicts Arthur's mental illness like literally at times it just feels like we don't know he's a crazy guy and I'm like what am I watching and like the fact that Joaquin Phoenix is winning for this performance when he's been again overlooked I think you know so many times for performances that are leagues better again like he's one of our generation's best working actors some would argue the best you know and I'm not even arguing that and so the fact that he's winning for this I just think is like heinous I think it's horrible and I'm like so Adam Driver should win if if I had to like sell my soul for one upset it would be for Adam Driver to win this category because I think it's the best performance of Driver's career so far I think you know he had an amazing year he's you know an actor who's consistently again done these like varied amazing performances in a bunch of different types of films he's worked with some amazing I'm just like Adam Driver like he's incredible in this film and if we are going by just the performances which again I'm of the mind that we always should then he's he wins in my mind and I think when you have this career Oscar nonsense it's like you know it's a it's a never-ending cycle because Joaquin is going to win this year because he's been overlooked in past years and so Adam Driver's going to get overlooked. And so, you know, maybe in five years Adam Driver will win, you know, because it's his time to win and then he will win over some up-and-comer who gave the best performance in that year. And so on and so on and so on and so on. And it's just ridiculous to me. I'm like, Joaquin Phoenix does not deserve to win for this movie. I think it's so stupid that, you know, the narrative around the movie and whatever, it's all these external factors... And it's this dumb, showy performance that I just think is, like, it's all about the flash. It's why Rami Malek won last year. It's all about, like, I'm performing. Look, look, look here. Look, look, look. And it's just obnoxious look at to me. me. Acting. I yeah. hate it. Yeah, look at me acting. I just, I'm most mad about this. And I know Joaquin Phoenix is winning. He's locked to win. So pick that on your ballot because he's winning. But it pisses me off. <laughs> I love Joaquin Phoenix. I don't love this movie or this performance. Yeah. So, best director. Best is director. me, you? Um... I think it's mine. I think it's you. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, best director: Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, Todd Phillips for Joker, Sam Mendes for 1917, Quentin Tarantino Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Bong Joon Ho Parasite. Um, Sam Mendes is winning this. Yeah. He won the DGA, and he's won at every other award ceremony. So yeah. he, I mean. They tied at the Critics' Choice, like him and Bong tied at Critics' Choice, but as we've discussed, I don't think the Critics really, <laughs> I don't think their choice really matters. <laughs> um, so I believe, based on all the industry awards, that Sam Mendes is a lock in this category. Mm-hmm. I'll second that. Um, I do think he is the strong, strong, strong front runner. Um, he also won the Globe. I'm just thinking back to like how surprised we all were then when Everyone we won that award. We were all so shocked. We were like, "This came out of nowhere." Because Look, it did. <laughs> I love, I love 1917. Same. I want to get that out of the way. I, I last night, I, I was finally able to see all the nominees, and um, we'll get into this conversation in Best Picture as well. But, um. I love, like, my top seven. I love. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I couldn't decide between, like, how do I rank, like, Little Women, Irishman, 1917, all in the middle. Loved 1917. Great movie. Um, There's something that feels odd to me about, like, Sam Mendes being in the same category as, like, Tarantino and Scorsese especially, um, and not, and having won this award before for a film that... For American Beauty. For 
terrible. Um, <laughs> I just, that film did not age well. Um, but I think, look, he's done great things. Revived James Bond. I mean, he really, he has had a storied career. He's a very, I guess, multifaceted, um, capable director. But there are others in this category who career-wise, have not been recognized as much. I don't think this should be about the career award either because I think we both agree, generally, generally. that Bong Joon-ho should be winning here. Personally, I think Quentin or Bong Joon-ho would be my pick here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll give the edge to the hashtag Bong Hive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would, I mean, my should win picks, I, I put Quentin or... Bong, because yeah. I think that, you know, I would like to see them both win more than Sam Mendes. I do think that, again, like, I think that, like you said, like, the fact that Tarantino has no director win, Scorsese only has one, and it's likely that Mendes is going to walk away now with two director wins, right. I do think is very, it's just very revealing in that it shows how much campaigns really do matter. Right. Like, again, I think the narrative around 1917, obviously much has been said about it looks like one shot, and, you know, it's a very, but like... that's not on Sam Mendes. That's on Roger yes, Deakins, but the cinematographer. I don't think that matters. I think it's overall true. that kind of like they see it as an achievement story, in directing. That's what I'm saying. It's like 1917 is this sweeping technical achievement is like the company line, and I think that sweeping technical achievement mm-hmm. clearly has is extended to right. give the director credit for that movie. If I mean, he wanted the, last the director's of years. guild gave right. him the win. Also, I would like to say. It makes me, it gives me so much joy to say that Todd Phillips is probably the least likely to win in this category because he didn't even get nominated by the Directors Guild. So thank you. They know what's up. Small mercies for this one. (laughs) You know, he's, he's not, (laughs) I'm comfortable saying he's not going to win. They didn't nominate women, but at least the DGA knows what's up. Look, the DGA didn't nominate women, but let's focus on the positives. (laughs) Nobody was going to nominate women because we live in hell. Um, (laughs) No, again. Back to, like, the snubs conversation. Right. I mean, realistically, it's about who do you take out. Right. And so... Absolutely, Todd Phillips is, like, And so, five. realistically, honestly, maybe you, I'd only take out Todd Phillips. I, don't, I think the other four are actually great. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I only take out Todd Phillips. But what I do, again, I resent how quickly the conversation became. All you little lady directors can compete for the one, one spot, spot that's in contention. And I think that the fact that ha- that happened is not a coincidence. And, like, yeah, of course, nominate Tarantino and Scorsese. But, like, it must be said that, like... They've ascended to their, you know, legend status, and they're kind of, you know, they're locks to get nominated because, like, they've they been made make, great films. Because they make great films, and they've been making great films for years and years and years and years. And during years, you know, when Harvey Weinstein was in power, and when it was hard for women to get films made, harder than it is today. So I'm like, yes, Tarantino deserves to be here. I adore Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but like, Tarantino's Tarantino because, like, when he started making movies. I think it was harder for women directors to get movies made than it even is today. And it's pretty freaking hard today. So, again, I'm like, I think it's egregious that Todd Phillips is here. I'm happy with the other four being here. Um, But, I mean, it's just so disheartening to me. Are you mad at a Sam Mendes win? Are you mad at it? I mean, I think I'm mad at a Mendes, at a director and best picture, like, both, both for 1917. I think that I'm a little mad at that because I think this year, again, like having watched everything um, and loving so many movies on this slate, I just think for everything to be concentrated on 1917, I mean, it must be said, I really, really like 1917. I think, you know, 
it's getting a lot of hate on film Twitter or whatever, and it's boring and it's a gimmick. I don't think those things. I think it's, you know, very purposefully done. I think it's great. I think I'm the over- emotional core is there. Yes. I mean, I'm overjoyed that it's winning cinema talk. Like, I, I, I want it to win score. Like, I like 1917. But I just think that for it to win both of the top awards, I don't like it that much. It's a little underwhelming. I liked it. It's underwhelming. I liked a lot of other things. It's not even in my top five um, of the stuff that's nominated mm-hmm. at the ceremony. I liked a lot of other things better. Mm-hmm. So again, I would like to see Quentin or Bong win this award. Um, but it's just crazy. Again, it's crazy that you have a year poised for a Scorsese Tarantino showdown and we get Sam Mendes. Yeah. But true. that's where we are. Mendes is, is winning. Um, I think. Best, best picture. Shall we? Yes. We have broken up best picture into a few subcategories. Uh, so the first subcategory is what should be here. Um, <laughs> uh, and I will just say, Knives, which is just, Knives Out is not nominated. Um, nine things got nominated for best picture this year. There's out of... 10 open slots. They've never nominated 10. They've never nominated all 10. At the PGA Awards, they nominated 10 movies, which includes the nine movies nominated for Best Picture of the Oscars, and they also nominated Knives Out. Mm -hmm. So one cannot help but feel that Knives Out was just on the precipice of that 10th slot. And so I would like to acknowledge if there's a 10th slot, I think think Knives Out should have gotten that 10th slot. Again, I'm like, it really connected with audiences. It was really well written. Mm-hmm. It was fun. It was a good genre movie. It doesn't have to win. Right. Why not give it spot number 10 right. is me. So I'll Knives Out should that. be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that before we get into the actual nominees. Uh, so here, <laughs> again, we've split up the actual nominees into a number of categories to organize our discussion. So the nominees that we consider to be in the lucky to be here category are Jojo Rabbit and Ford v. Ferrari. They're just lucky to be nominated. (laughs) Um, I love Jojo Rabbit, again, like I've said. I don't. I don't. (laughs) I I understand why it's divisive, and I understand why people love or hate it. Less so than I do another film, which we'll talk about later. Really important for me. But I I really did like Jojo Rabbit. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was there. I I didn't expect it to get this much love from the Academy. I would have been okay if it, you know, just kind of made its way, made its mark, and just kind of silently, you know, became a part of Waititi's filmography essentially for sure um but uh ford versus ferrari this is a good let's throw a bone to the sports film I which i like <laughs> um it really is just a live action cars it's fun i it's very much a dad movie i oh, saw it last night if my dad were the to dads were movie, cackling the whole time <laughs> graham would love this movie um and I love Graham. my dad, so I'm happy for it to be for I, look, like, literally, it's like Matt Damon, no, sorry, Christian Bale, like, punches Matt Damon in the face, and the audience, like, erupted with laughter, and I well, was like, cool. fun. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. That's great. Um, it's very much a guy's being dudes, just guys being dudes. No, but I'm, like, again, I'm like, it's one of those things where I'm like, look, it clearly connected with audiences. Like, it was good. Yeah, it was Everyone well made. Everyone had a fun time. Ford versus Ferrari deserves its craft nominations it across box the board. office. You know, like, I'm not mad at seeing something that connected with general audiences in here. I yeah. mean, that was meant to be the point of expanding the five best picture spots to ten, was so that there was room to recognize things that people saw. I mean, we live in California, but, like, 
not everybody in America, like, went to their local theater to watch Parasite with the subtitles. Because it's not there. Because it's not there. So, I, again, seeing stuff like Ford v. Ferrari get in, I think Knives Out should have gotten in. I'm like, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't love Jojo Rabbit. Um, And I don't think it has that widespread appeal. And again, I don't get this industry, like, never-ending affection for it. Um, I don't think it really pulls off what it thinks it pulls off. But... So I would say that's lucky to be here as well. Those yeah. things have zero chance of winning, and yeah. they're not winning. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Um, has no shot, and we're sad about it. And I can't emphasize this enough. We're sad um, about it. <laughs> I just wanted to like gentle, like my heart like aches for the Irishman. Um, it was wild when it was being advertised, and when it was first kind of breaking onto this like scene of like potential best picture nominees there was no way this was not getting in right there was a period of time before the globes before anything else was winning the irishman was the front runner for best picture for best picture it would have been like this is a lock to get in scorsese will get in like it's just kind of all across the board we never really thought the irishman would be you know just sort of waved away into the darkness as it has been. Um, the Irishman is good. No, it's not his best film. No, it's not anyone in the cast's best performance. Yes, it has flaws, but it also has a lot of heart. And I think if you're recognizing sort of Hollywood tradition, it's surprising that it's not getting more love, but also not because he's like sources he's never gotten of like genuine affection from the Academy. Yeah. Um, and Marriage Story and Little Women. Yeah, I I will speak. <laughs> Marriage Story and Little Women, both nominated, both have, I mean, again, next to zero chance of Best Picture. There was also a point in time where before we went through, like, the season that Marriage Story was... Also a front runner For Best Picture. Right. Um, and one thing I will say that I think is interesting, I think, uh, you know, Little Women, I think, was in, like, my top three movies of this year, definitely my top five, and I would love to see it win. It won't. I think it's being overlooked, you know... Maybe because... It's a niche movie. Uh, okay. I think it, it it might be because... I said that in air quotes. It might, you know, the excuse is it's an adaptation of something that's been adapted a million times before, which was a bit of the narrative around Stars Born last year, too. And so part of me is like, okay. But I also think that it's an adaptation that really like make, makes big moves to change up the adaptations mm-hmm. that came before and the source mm-hmm. material itself. So I don't really buy that narrative as much. Right. Um, I also think, yeah, male voters don't want to go see it. There were a lot of stories in the press about male voters aren't going to industry screenings of Little Women, which I believe. Um, it's very easy, I think, based on some men that I've talked to, um, to write it off as a women's movie, Absolutely. and it's a chick flick, a chick and flick. why would I walk out of my house and go to the theater to mm-hmm. see it? Like, I would say it. I think that's there. I don't mm-hmm. think it's hard to see that that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it explains a lot about how, you know, it's kind of like Jordan Peele. It's like, well, Greta got everything for Lady Bird, and, like, that was her moment, so she doesn't need director again. She doesn't need a win. You know, I'm just like, I think that's BS. Um, and I think Little Women should be more of a frontrunner than it is, but it's not, and life sucks. Um, Marriage Story, I... I, I love. I love Marriage Story. We gave it Best Picture I have seen Marriage Story seven times. I've seen Marriage Story <laughs> three times. Um, I absolutely adored it. And I think it's an incredible drama. It's incredible. I loved it. Um, the performances are just like, again, we talked about Adam Driver, we talked about the script, like, we, we love Marriage Story, we've said that. I mean, I do think it's interesting, like, I think it's the Netflix thing. I do think, of course it's the Netflix thing. Of course thing. it's the Netflix thing. I mean, I think that, um, 
you know, it came out, and I truly think this is probably the biggest factor, because the the crew from Marriage Story has been doing more, like, PR and campaigning than I think I've seen from any other Any movie. other, absolutely. I have seen so, I mean, Adam Driver, Noah Baumbach. They're making, they're they've making been poor, out there. Poor Noah Baumbach does not want to do interviews. Noah Baumbach. Stop making him sit on Jimmy Fallon <laughs> no, and, like, look at me about his movie. He doesn't <laughs> want to go and do, like, notes on a scene. Like, he, he doesn't. Yeah. Like, they're out there, and they're pushing, and you can tell. And so I truly think the biggest factor is, like, you know... Within a day of Marriage Story dropping on Netflix, like, it got memed on Twitter. And I think that when you see that big argument scene out of context, and when you see it, like, lines from it, and memes from it, and clips from it out of context, like, when it becomes this lighthearted, like, funny, meme joke, like, the Adam Driver punching the wall, like, it does downgrade the seriousness of that scene. Like, out of context, it does, I mean, that scene is, like emotionally gutting when you see it when you sit down and watch the whole movie right but when you right. only see it out of context in a clip on twitter it doesn't have that effect it is I, abs- tr- right. I truly think it's it's the netflix thing i think it's the industry will will die before it gives netflix best picture because of the whole conversation around nobody wants to go to the theater anymore um which i think is a valid conversation but you know it's it's kind of a two way street, you know. Nobody wants to go to the theater anymore, so the only financing these movies. So the only way Noah Baumbach gets funding to make Marriage Story is Netflix pays him to make Marriage Story, absolutely, and then he gets punished for that because his movie comes out on Netflix. So I think it's you know, I do think it's that factor. That's the reason why I lost momentum so quickly, and why I think Marriage Story is only going to walk away with Best the Laura Dern win. Actress, right? Um, and I think it's ridiculous. I'm like, it was very upsetting to me that it fell out of the conversation so quickly it's in my top three of the year year same here yeah same here um yeah yeah (laughs) love marriage story don't love this next one kind of has a shot and we're mad about it joker um (laughs) joker got 11 nominations more than any other film this year um in a year that Scorsese actually made a movie. I know, it's this, hilarious. This, like, Scorsese... <laughs> knockoff. This, it's a score, it's a cheap Scorsese knockoff, got more nominations than actual Scorsese. It's just, I think, the most ridiculous thing. I also want to say, look, I don't like this movie, it but sucks. I don't, I don't hate it. I, I don't hate, hate it. it as much as Grace does. I hate it. Um, <laughs> I, I hate it. Ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, I think, sure, the Academy can have a little Joker if it means no, that they're no. nominating everything else. They can't have no. 11 nominations. That's what I'm saying. The Academy cannot have a little Joker when it means, <laughs> no Joker, <laughs> when it means that other things don't get nominated. I mean, snubs happen because of this movie because there's spots <laughs> because of this movie because spots get taken i'm like todd phillips takes up a director spot it takes up all of these craft nominations it takes up a score nomination for just i think and i think it's baffling i mean i've like we've talked about how i hate it so we don't need to talk about it anymore i don't think it should win i don't think it's going to win um i think the only reason it kind of like has maybe kind of a shot is because it, it got so many most, nominations right. but i don't think it's gonna win um and i just I hate it as a comic book fan, I hate it as a movie fan, and I hate it as a person. <laughs> I, I hate it so much. I, I realized in the movie, I realized while I was watching it that I didn't hate it because I'm a Martin Scorsese fan, and then I realized after yeah. I watched it, like, oh. Literally, Joker is like, remember King of Comedy? Right, that's exactly what it that is. That was a good movie. Remember, remember Taxi Driver? Like, I cannot. Do you remember I that? Do you, do you remember it? You know what? What do I really... 
Something I really think, I will say this for Joker, is that its dialogue is really thematically subtle. Um, so like, for instance, when he said that line that was like, this is what happens when you take a mentally ill loner and abandon him. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for me from that line to understand what they want the message of the movie to be. Like, I really I also, had to think about what they wanted me to get from the movie after hearing that line because it was such, so subtextual. My last <laughs> note on Joker is I think more people need to be talking about the really messy racial dynamics of this movie. Um, oh, everyone who mistreats Arthur is a person of color. Everyone who mistreats Arthur and who neglects is literally it. almost a woman of color, specifically yeah. a black yeah. woman. Yeah. And scene by scene, and it's a very like, you don't understand me, stop talking to my son. Like oh, the last yeah. scene of the movie, he, he walks has, out. He has a bad mommy, and he has a bad therapist, and he has a bad neighbor who doesn't want to fuck him and laugh at his jokes, and he's been so abandoned by society. Um, boo-hoo-hoo. I just we should forgive wish... him for shooting people. <laughs> I just don't understand. We should it. understand why. <laughs> this is not how you teach empathy. You don't I teach. Don't. You don't <laughs> teach empathy by threatening people of its consequences, like the lack of empathy's consequences. That's it. I'm not going to talk about this movie anymore. Anyway, I want to talk about the other. Two. Joker sucks. Um, okay. Um. Um, the true, and now we've come to the true contenders of this field of nine. Which I all, like, I love all three of these. And if any of these three won, okay. That's where I'm at. So the true contenders in this order of probability of them yeah. winning is Once Upon a Time, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Meaning the least. Yeah, meaning the least. Yeah. Um, Parasite mm-hmm. in spot number two. And I think, in my opinion, extremely far ahead of the other yeah. two, 1917. Yeah, the second. Um, 1917 is my winner pick, and I don't think anything else has a chance. Um, a lot of people are making the point that Parasite, you know, is really One close, is, is really close behind 1917. And I don't think that's the case. The reason I don't think that's the case is I don't think the SAG Ensemble Award is predictive for two reasons. One, look at who won it last year, Black Panther, which that was never, ever, ever going to win Best Picture ever. Um, And, you know, Parasite won the Best Ensemble SAG. It didn't get a single acting nomination at the ceremony. I mean, Roma last year, Roma got acting nominations. Um... Parasite doesn't even have that. And I think we should compare Roma and Parasite, you know, I don't... As the most recent film in memory. Yeah, and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, equalize them. Like, they're both foreign films, so they're both the same. Like, they're not. But I think that they're both treated the same by the Academy because they're foreign films. So for that reason, I'm going to compare them. You know, even Roma got some acting noms. um, And Roma was supposed to win. And Roma got beat by Green Book. So I think the fact that Parasite got no acting noms, I just, I don't... I don't think it's going to win. I think that the, like, Oscars got an Oscar, and they're not going to give it to a foreign film. Yes. 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 That's all fair. Yeah. All very fair. The reason I still think, in the bottom of my heart, that there's space for an upset here, more so than there is space for an upset in director, because I do think 1917 is an achievement in directing, at the end of the day. Um, I think that Parasite is not a Netflix film. And Roma was. And I think there is something to be said about that. I Maybe. think there's still a possibility. I think Parasite has more of a shot than Roma did. Yes, they gave the award to Quaron for his directing. But I think that... I don't think people are mad about Parasite winning Best Picture. The Academy voters, at least. The, Steel- the Steven Spielbergs of the world. Um, as much as they would Parasite. 
That being said, 1917 is a very Steven Spielberg film. That's my thing, is I'm like, you know, the way that Best Picture is decided is through preferential balloting. So mm-hmm. everyone in the Academy essentially ranks all nine, and then through the rankings, like, like the best, like, I believe, aggregated score is the I have winner. a hard time thinking that Academy voters are putting this beneath, like, number four, you know? Maybe. Below number four. Maybe. That's... But I think... Because I think... <laughs> I think everyone in the Academy who is very rich and very white wants to seem woke by talking about how much they love Parasite. I'll just say it because Parasite's about, it's very much about class and like contemporary class struggles um, and all of that. And so I think, you know, of course all the people in the Academy want to give it a standing ovation for, you know, virtue signaling or whatever. And that's what's going to happen. And that's what's going to happen. It's, they're going to walk out and they're going to present, you know, because they run through all the best picture nominees. And everyone's going to stand up and give it a standing ovation because, oh wow, good for them and it's not going to win. That's, it's virtue signaling. I don't think it's actually going to win um and i don't think it's a close race i really i mean 1917 most important factor is it won the pg one of the producers guild awards and the past two years the pga has picked the winner they picked green book when roma was supposed to win and everyone bet against the pga because they were so sure roma was going to win and it didn't um and they picked shape of water the year before so if we're going by conventional wisdom 1917 is winning 1917 has huge momentum in the director category. It won the PGA. It's won everything else. I don't think I'm going... It has a bunch of famous British actors in it, so I don't think it's going out on a limb, me saying it's going to win the BAFTA. Yeah. Um, which are happening right now. Which are happening right now as we record this. But it's I, it's winning, and I, you know, I'm, I'm confident. I'm okay with that. I'm confident it's a lock. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. But I just think that there are better choices for it to win. Um, so with that in mind, that's my will-win pick. My should win for best picture, I couldn't decide, but I think that there's a case to be made for the films that I'm going to list winning best picture. So I would like to see Parasite win because I think in terms of changing the institution of the Oscars or upsetting the way the Oscars are traditionally awarded, Parasite winning is the biggest upset and the biggest like structural change to give it to a foreign film I think would really be kind of like a very subversive choice and I would like to see that happen I would also like to see Twitter's reactions to it because I think it would be fun um I still think though that if the concern about Netflix and you know the prevailing concern in the industry right now is that people don't want to go to movie theaters 1917 is a Universal Pictures release and it did well at the box office after it won at the Golden Globes. And Average Joe is not seeing Parasite with subtitles. And 1917, in terms of theater, big studio films, is a lot less divisive than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's it's a so, film that yeah. we both love. I okay, if we're talking personal favorite plus yeah. has a chance, I want Once Upon a Time to win. Once Upon a Time, personally, was maybe my favorite movie of the year. Same, same. That, I ranked number one. I ranked para. Wow, I think, nice. I ranked Once Upon a Time as my number one of the year when I was actually going through twenty nine yeah. films. Knives Out is my favorite film of the year. Of this field of nine, I think Once Upon a Time might be my favorite. So I, of the true contenders, I I genuinely I want Once Upon a Time to win the most. I think it would be cool if Parasite won. I think it would be a statement if Parasite won. But I think that personally, in my heart, I would want Once Upon a Time to win the most. I. Little Women, I think I would like to see win. Marriage Story, I would like to see win. All of those four movies of this lineup, I would like to see win more than 1917. 
I would like Knives Out to be in here and Knives Out to win more than I want to see 1917 win. 1917 was not in my top five of the year. 1917 was tied for, like, out of this lineup. It's tied for, like, my fourth or sixth spot. I, um, I... I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was maybe my favorite of the year, but I don't want it to win this category. I want Parasite to win, and in the bottom of my heart, and if this doesn't work out, you know, come next Sunday, I'm just going to live with it, and I'm going to be okay. 1917 is a great film. Um, I liked it better than Dunkirk, if... You keep that's wanting, a hot take. That's a hot you, take. If you keep <laughs> if you keep making that comparison, and I drove two hours to see Dunkirk in IMAX. Hot take. Right um, <laughs> look, nineteen seventeen is a great film. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved Once Upon a Time. It's a movie that I'm gonna keep revisiting again and again. I want to see it in a theater again. Like I just nothing will beat the first time that I saw that film and was so surprised by it and was so genuinely in love with it and just wanted to see it again. But I think. Um, yes, I think Parasite should. Uh, the LA Times recently published a piece, not to plug another SoCal publication, but gently. Um, <laughs> they published a piece saying the Oscars need Parasite more than Parasite needs the Oscars. People are watching Parasite now that would not have seen Parasite before, and I think that's a great thing. Yes, I think they're supporting yes. a small studio like Neon, which made great movies last year, is continuing to make great movies is this Neon year. Is Neon the new A24? A24? Excuse me. Yes, Maybe. I hope so. Um... Uh, but I also hope A24 has a bit of a revival this year. Um, yeah, they really were sucking wind uh, this year. <laughs> uh, and I, I ultimately, ultimately think that, yes, I think Parasite should win this category and should come away the big winner of the night. I'm also latching onto the small hope in my, the bottom of my heart of, like, how mesmerized I was when Moonlight took Best Picture in 2017. I... And... La La Land had won every single precursor. I know. I'm not saying... It's not... I'm not saying count it out 100%, because you should never count anything out 100%. I'm not going to count out Joker winning 100%. Yeah. I'm not going to count, count Ford out... Ford Ferrari. Don't Ford count Ferrari. it out. Don't you count know, it out. I'm not going to count out, <laughs> count out um, a meteor hitting the Daily Cal office right at this second. You know? You can, never, you can never be sure of anything in life. But that being said, yeah. it's... It's simple math. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that 1917 is winning. That is the safest, safest, safest bet. Maybe Parasite builds enough momentum off of its sag win to pull off a last minute upset. Yeah. Maybe everyone really, really loves Quentin on the day that they vote and Once Upon a Time wins. It's possible. It won at Golden Globes. It won at Critics' Choice. It's possible. Maybe we live in the darkest timeline and Joker wins. You know. Maybe. I'm not even going to put that energy out in the universe. It's not winning. No. Um, it didn't get the director and almost not winning, period. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, I think 1917 is winning. And to, to conclude the podcast and to conclude our general discussion, I will just say it was a great year. Amazing year. I'm grateful that I got to, you know, got the chance to see these um, movies. These movies. Yeah. Got the chance to discuss them with you. And I think Me the too. fact that I get to have opinions on such a wide range of movies, both ones that were nominated and ones that weren't nominated, is something that makes me very happy. So, in conclusion, anything but Joker and justice for Adam Driver, who should have been nominated two times in the same category once for Marriage Story and the other one for Kylo Ren. <laughs> I won't elaborate and I shouldn't have to. <laughs> um. 
Timothy Chalamet for the king? Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? <laughs> Where is Timothy Stop the charade? Stop the charade. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet for the king and supporting actor nomination for Little Women. I won't elaborate and I shouldn't have to, okay? Period. Period. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> and that's the final word. That's all I'm going to say. Catch the Oscars next Sunday. Yep. And look out for all of our Oscars coverage that we'll be publishing next week. We have our written predictions article coming out. We're writing up the Snubby Awards so you can see the full extent of what we thought should have been nominated. And there's going to be a bunch of other culture shots, think pieces coming out about the nominees and the ceremony. So be sure to check that out on dailycal.org in the arts section. Um, Thank you for listening. Let's all pray Joker doesn't win.